All right, hello. Welcome back to Earth Like Heaven. My name is Doug Ressler. Joining me as always is my good friend, Robbie Sherry, and we are here to help you close the gap between heaven and earth in your life by learning to live like Jesus. Robbie, this is part two of a conversation on the sexual ethics of Jesus. Your favorite topic. People can't see your face right now, but it's bright red. You love this topic. Unbelievable. Um, uh, anyway, what I wanted to do was pick up on a comment you made as we closed our last session that I thought was incredibly insightful. And it's this idea that, again, going back to the beginning, going back to how God originally created us, he, he created us to be known. He created us to be loved. He created us to be accepted. He created mm-hmm. us to belong. And how people are finding those things now as they identify with different groups, different communities that are really defined by sexuality. Right. You know, And that, by the way, is not just sort of the LGBTQ community. It's also heterosexual communities as well. I mean, it, it's people are, are sort of making sexuality a fundamental part of their identity. And it's it's really kind of built on this idea, culturally speaking, in the West, that if you're not having sex, then somehow you are denying yourself what is an inalienable right. And that's actually harmful. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not just a choice. It's actually harmful to deny yourself your sexual urges. And so therefore, we should follow a ethic of sexual freedom, sexual license. And as long as you're with other consenting adults, I mean, you basically should be allowed to do, you know, whatever it is that you want to do sexually. And no one should really have the right to tell you whether that's right, wrong, or otherwise. You contrast that, of course, with the way of Jesus, which says, no, we find our identity, our sense of being loved, known, belonging, acceptance in Christ alone. Right even though we never stop being sexual creatures. And because we find our identity in Christ alone, we practice an ethic of sexual restraint according to what God says is best, according to what Jesus says is best in terms of how human beings practice their sexuality, which according to Jesus really is celibacy and singleness and expressing sex only within the context of lifelong marriage between one man and one woman. Mm -hmm. So Robbie, say more about just how you see kids, especially in the high school that you're, you're at, processing identity i mean it's it's a, a massive small right small question but maybe in particular yeah, in particular maybe sexual identity right i mean yeah. you know they're having all these desires they're having all these hormones they're trying to figure out how best to talk about them how best to express them um talk about that and then i want to talk about how historically this community we call the church which is supposed to be a place of belonging and mm-hmm. acceptance and love and these kinds of things has not been Right. For so many who are sexually broken, and that's a huge part of the problem that we have to come to grips with. So, yeah. Robbie, talk, talk to me about how young people are processing their identity these days. So, going back to what you said last time, I think you're right. You can't you can't start with this idea that God is a prude. Right. You, you have to start with okay, God God gave us sex. Right. And what what a great God right. for making it. I mean. If you just study nature, right. there are a number of ways we could have procreated. <laughs> right, absolutely. That would have been budding far less. Would have been my favorite. Okay, <laughs> Did you budding. Say budding, budding. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the you whole, know what budding is, right? I, I okay. do. Yes, and okay. yeah. yes, we are in Colorado, and it's not what you think it means. <laughs> not that kind there of budding. Are a number of yeah. ways we could have reproduced, right? And totally. instead, God went. You know yeah. what? Here you go. That's right. Right. Have so fun. You have to start with that. Right. That yeah. God is yeah. this God who is not out to rob us of joy and pleasure. No. He's yeah. He's the creator of it. That's cool. right. He so wants us to delight. 
Yes. I mean, fully delight in this gift of sexuality. 100%. Yes. So I think you start there. And if a student doesn't believe that, you know, yeah. one of the, right. they go, well, actually, I think following God, God is a God who wants to restrain my joy, restrain mm-hmm. my freedom. And a lot of a lot of the young person's experience, I mean, it's cliche to say it, but is this fear of missing out, this right. FOMO right. thing. Right. And they see their life almost like they're all, everybody's in this multi-lane freeway. And whoever can get ahead and whoever, mm-hmm. like they have this fear that life is going to pass them by right. if they don't do things and experience things and somehow their life is going to be lesser than. Right. So you offer them this like, hey, God's way, the mm-hmm. one who created this, the one who's holding all life together on earth says, you know, it's a good idea. Sex is such a binding thing. Like you said, right. it is this, this deep connection spiritually and physically and emotionally and relationally with another person that you would do well to cultivate that over time with one person right. after you've made a vow to each other and before right. God that this is it. Yep. That that's what's on the table and you know behind right. door number 1. That's right. Behind door number 2 for these young people is everything that the world tells them like how that's do right. you know if it's going to be good sex, you know, with a person that you're married unless you practice beforehand right. or how do you know if you're homosexual or heterosexual unless you experiment or this sort of that's thing. Right. So these these young people have this, well, I don't want to miss out. I don't I don't want to go through life. What if I gamble on the Christian way of things? Right. And it's not all that it's cracked up to be. Right. And oh, by the way, it, it won't be. Right? We know this, right? I mean, things happen in life. Right? right. I mean, you get married to your high school sweetheart, let's say. And then let's say that, uh, you know, some, you get in a car accident. And all of a sudden, everything changes. Or you... Or you just age. Or you just age. That's right. And things change. That's exactly right. right. And so you, like, become to grips with the fact that, like, this, again, cultural this cultural mindset about what great sex is, which is, let's be honest, largely driven by pornography and largely driven by the porn industry. I was going to say movies you know, and, right, and the whole the, thing. The, every it's thing nonsense. Culture, right? It is nonsense. It's, no one experiences it like that. No one, not the people on the movie screen right. and certainly not people in real life. That's nonsense. It's idealized. It's again, hypersexualized. It's, it just doesn't exist in the real world. And again, that's not because God is a prude or it's not because, it's 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 that what we're talking about here is something so precious and something so sacred that unless uh it is unless there is an unbelievable feeling of safety and security with that other person that you are having sex sexual relationships with you're never going to experience the depth of intimacy that your heart really longs for sure, and the sure. only way you're going to get that safety and security is within the covenant of a marriage that is committed for right. a lifetime. That's so, the whole point, right? That's God wants the commitment level to match the intimacy level. Right. And if you only want the intimacy without the commitment, you're never going to get it. And if you want the commitment without the intimacy, you're never going to get it. It's a both and kind of thing. That's how God designed yeah. this thing. And we make a mockery of it, a parody of it, really, with the porn and with um, the movies and with the, what's, what, how sex is portrayed in the media yeah. and all of these kinds of things. So for a young person, they are seeking. I mean, it, it all goes back to Satan's not a creator. He doesn't make things. No, that's right. He, he takes that which was made. That's right. And he, he twists them. That's right. And so 
he doesn't make sex. He, right. he doesn't create, it's, it's God's thing. And Satan just whispers to us, you know, did God really say, That's right. you know, that sort of thing. And so these young people are longing for really good things. That's They're right. longing for people to affirm them, mm-hmm. for people to encourage them. That's right. I mean, we live in such an encouragement deprived culture to just, I mean, just add a girl. Or right. add a boy, right? Like those are so few and far between that right. a lot of my students hear that just from a, a parent or even a peer to go, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So they want to be encouraged. They want to be loved. They want to be accepted. And so sexually, they, they, they find groups now splitting off mm-hmm. with sexual identities right. as opposed to, say, um, just interest groups, right. you know, like right, there, right. there used to be chess clubs, kinds of things. And, right. and now more and more there's, there's politics and sex That's right. that, that mm-hmm. gets sort of interwoven and people say, well, I like that community. Mm-hmm. Uh, they seem to like me for who I am, or they seem mm-hmm. to be so caring and, and warm and welcoming. Mm-hmm. And so they must have something going here. And That's so I'm right. going to trust their, their interpretation of sexual ethics rather than right. this other way. And because what I want ultimately is this to be received by a community who cares for me. And right. in and of itself, that community, you know, the idea of belonging to a community is just a great thing. Well, it really is because God says it is not good for us to be alone. Right. And when I talk to people who are single, when I talk to people who are in the gay community, the LGBTQ community, who have submitted their lives to Christ and are trying to live out a celibate life, the, the deepest fear that I hear is I'm going to be alone. Right. If you're, if you're asking me to follow the way of Jesus, you're asking me to be alone for the rest of my life, and I don't think I can do that. And you know what? When we get down to that level of conversation, my heart just goes out to them. I totally understand that fear. Yeah. And I can understand why, out of a, a desire to avoid that, one would be willing to settle, potentially, or pursue, maybe not just settle. I mean, that may be my word. Other folks, they would be, maybe that's not the word they would use. They would sure, choose. No, sure. I'm going to, instead of being alone, I'm going to choose to way. pursue this other lifestyle because I have these desires within me and it's not good for me to be alone. Mm-hmm. And so therefore I'm going to connect, even though I know it's not God's way, I'm still going to connect with this other person sexually because I don't want to be alone. I don't want to feel alone. I don't want to feel isolated. That's the scariest possible thing for me. So it's almost like in their head, they're kind of doing the Maslow's hierarchy of needs kind of thing, right? I mean, honestly, like, yeah. like they're kind of like working through this grid on some, if they're a believer, I mean, mm-hmm. if they're a Christian and they're trying to like process what Jesus has to say and then their own life experience and all that kind of stuff. I have all these conversations all the time with folks. They're trying to process that and they're going to go into this hierarchy of needs pyramid. And they're saying, yeah, you know, I know that me choosing to do this isn't what the Lord wants. At the same time, it's better than this, Right. right? On some level, I hear this when I counsel parents who have maybe transgender kids. Right. They're being told by our culture that your child is in grave danger of dying if you don't affirm. Because transgender kids present at a much higher percentage for suicidal ideation. So, of course, their child being alive is better than dead. Of course, right. Of one hundred percent. I just had this conversation with a friend who lives in another state, and we were talking about. It. He has a transgender child who's seventeen. He's trying to process what the Bible says and how does he minister to his kid and like all these other things. 
And, and again, he's going through this grid in his head. And he's like, you know, Doug, I'm afraid that if I, if I don't affirm, my child will be at greater risk of suicide. And I was like, that is a very real and very valid fear. And so I'm doing this, even though I don't think it aligns with what Jesus would say. I'm doing this because I don't want my child to die. I'm playing a long game here right? on right. some level, right? I, wanna, I, want, I want to minister to my child over the long haul. I don't know what five years from now is going to look like or 10 years from now is going to look like or 20 years from now is going to look like, and I want them to at least be alive for that. Yeah. I sympathize deeply with that. Very much so. I really do. This is the heart of the challenge, right? Is, is people walking through, again, these needs. And again, it all comes down to, I think, and we, we talked about this last fall, right? It all comes down to, is the way of Jesus trustworthy? Right. Is he lying? Right. Is it worth the risk? Is it worth it? I mean, there's going to be risk involved. There's no doubt, right? Jesus says you got to die to self in order to follow him. Well, that involves risk. Mm-hmm. Letting go of who you were in order to become who he wants you to be. That involves risk. Yeah. You know, and, and when we start to talk about sexual identity, you start to talk about sexuality, you start to talk about gender, you start to talk about these things that we're talking about in our world today, the, the risk factor ratchets way up. Right. It really does. And that has to be acknowledged and perhaps even more tragic and more sad is the fact that the one community that God put together where we should be able to talk about these things and process these things in a healthy way, where it's safe to be able to talk about this kind of stuff. The church, we have been an absolute disaster for probably hundreds of years. Right, we've got a history of... We've got a history not only of sort of neglect, but of absolute outright abuse. Well, and, and hypocrisy. And hypocrisy. They're 100%. Right. And I so mean, I think, you know, people are right to say like, well, I mean, you're telling me to follow the way of Jesus. Show me a group of people who actually do. Right. Even within the church. Right. Because sometimes the right. church right. is the model of oh, man. the exact opposite That's right. of you what know? they're condemning That's this right. other. Whether you're talking sexual abuse scandals in the Southern Baptist Church or the Roman Catholic Church or so many other churches these days, you're talking about the number of high-profile Christian leaders who have fallen into sexual sin. You're talking about, you know, a history, hundreds of years now, of abuse, right, when it comes to sexuality, of objectifying women and women's bodies and all of these kinds of things and the ways that we think about this stuff. I mean, we have such a horrific history when it comes to this. And so, again, if you're out there and you're just an average person and you're, you're, you're considering the way of Jesus, especially when it comes to your sexuality, you've given your life to Jesus and you say, now I want to give, I want to, I want to honor Christ with my sexuality. I mean, where in the world do you go? Where in the world do you go for this? Right. You know, that's the, that's really a, a, a question, you know? So I put that, I put that to you as well, you know, as you yeah. think about, like I said, the, these fundamental, I mean, deep, deep, deep level questions of identity and sexuality and really wrestling and, you know, these hierarchy of needs to say, I mean, I, I don't want my child to, to commit suicide because they have not felt an, a sense of affirmation and belonging in my family, like all of that, you're wrestling with all of that. And then you're trying to find a community that actually like, takes this stuff seriously and is willing to talk about this and wrestle with it in an authentic way. And you can't find it out there. So, I mean, again, respond to that or, you know, as you think about that, I mean, well, I think it goes back to what you said a couple podcasts ago. We talked about Jesus uses this example of 
murder when it comes to hatred. Right. Right. He goes to right. this extreme. Right. And we talked about how, cause so many people justify their, their righteousness by saying, mm-hmm. well, at least I haven't murdered anybody. Right, and, right. and Jesus kind of calls out the root of it is, is yeah. just simple anger. Yeah. Well, I love that Jesus in the scripture also addresses this and he talks about lust. Right. And he talks about, he, you know, he, he just kind of goes, I've, I've got some news. You all, you all have this problem. Right. That's exactly right. It's not a Every one of you, (laughs) your sexual desires are warped. Exactly. And so we've got these different sexual expressions that want to one-up each other and say, well, at least I'm not. Well, at least I'm not. And Jesus goes, tell you what, if it's anything other than what I say, uh, why why don't you cut out your eye? Why don't you cut off your hand? If those things cause you to sin sexually, that's right. Just, Get rid of those things. That's right. And we want to go, <laughs> Jesus isn't being serious That's here. right. He's... Metaphor. Right. Metaphor. <laughs> he's, he's playing this. Right. And I, I just go back to it and go, wow, before we get on the accusatory hierarchy of who's right, who's wrong, right. who's better, who's worse, we go to the words of Jesus and go, who, who just, I love your, your voice of Jesus last time, <laughs> sits down and goes, hey man, right. uh, let's talk about your own lust. That's right. Let's talk about... Let's talk before you're going to point the finger of accusation that's right. at all these other people. That's right. All of us have this, this warped view of yeah. something that's actually really beautiful that God gave us as just a gift. That's yeah. a shadow of what's to come with him. This whole, the marital relationship is but a shadow. You know, that's he right. describes himself as the, the groom and, and the church as his bride. And so I'm going to give you marriage. Like there, there really isn't a need for marriage. That's right. You know, I mean, you look at the animal kingdom, you know, there's not a whole lot of animals that mate for life. Right. You know, so he gives us this as this, as the shadow of what's to come. Mm-hmm. And we start worshiping the shadow rather than That's right. the shadow caster, That's if right. you will. And I think with all of this, I, I'm with you. My heart breaks. I, I understand the desire to want to be received by community, of feeling yeah. loved, yeah. of feeling known. And I understand, honestly, people going out Try, you know, without, without an understanding of God's way, of course, they're going to listen to the loudest voices in culture yeah, yeah. and go, well, I'm going to try that. I'm yeah. going to try that. I'm going to try that. That's right. And I want to say, man, like there is this other way, like, right. and that the fear of, but if I do that, I miss out potentially on this other thing. And I think as a church, we have to own it and say, yeah, we have screwed up in the past. Yes. And we're yeah. so sorry. And guess what? If you're looking to the people of the church of being perfection when it comes to this, you're going to be looking a long time. That's right. But what the church is, is a bunch of messed up people who say, yeah, "Yeah, we've screwed up too, but praise God for forgiveness. And we've worked through that mess. Don't you think it's the latter that we have to really promote more and more? I actually don't think most people, when they walk into church, accuse Christians of hypocrisy because we're not perfect. I actually don't think that's the issue. It's that Christians pretend to be perfect. That's a, I think Christians I think that's condemn others for that's imperfection. Right. That's exactly without right. Acknowledging well, without their acknowledging their own. Yeah. So I think that's really the key is, is we have to create safe right. environments where people can be authentic. They can authentically talk about their sinful struggles. They can authentically talk about their desires that are all kinds of warped and messed up and directed in all sorts of ways that are not God. They can talk about how their loves are all messed up right? They're all disordered. They're all, you know, messed up in terms of their priorities and all of those kinds of things. We have to create a safe place 
where those conversations can can happen. And they don't need to happen from the pulpit. It's not like we have to everybody get up there and confess your sin in front of hundreds of people or public whatever. Confession. Yeah, public or anything like yeah. that. Stuff. We don't need to bring back public confession or anything like that. <laughs> Although if we do, you're you're going first. I'm going okay. first. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna put you up there we'll first. Bring the Scotsman right. up first. That's right. Um, with your kilt in, you know, right. Scottish way. Start yes. with that's right. Yeah, <laughs> Scottish way. That's right. Um, no, I mean, you know, it's it's you know, you. I don't think you have to do that, but I do think you have to create within your, depending on how big your church is or whatever your church looks like, within our church, you know, where you've got hundreds of people. I do think you have to create smaller groups and maybe one-on-one relationships where people can come and they can be a hundred percent real and say, hey, you know what, this is what I'm really struggling with, right. and rather than be condemned for it. They can have someone who can say, you know what? Number one, welcome to the club. We're all, right. we're all struggling on some level. Right. And number two, but here's a way forward. So yep. we're not just going to sort of sit and wallow in our misery right. as if there is no way out. At the same time, we're not going to pretend that we've never been there before. We're, we're all in this together. We're all struggling in some kind of way. We all need to be able to come to one another and say, you know what? I have done X, Y, Z. We should be able to, to unpack for one another the full extent, as we even understand it, right, on some level, the full extent of our brokenness, the full extent of our sin, the full extent of our, of our pain, and all that, we should be able to share that with one another, with right. our brothers and sisters in Christ, to know that that information is going to be held in confidence, we can trust that person, but that that person is going to not only love us where we are, but is going to challenge us to live more faithfully for Jesus because that's how we grow. Right. That's how we grow. That's how we become a different people. I'm a different person in terms of my own sexual ethics than I was when, you know, I was in college and addicted to porn. Yeah. Right. Looking at porn all the time. I mean, that was back when the internet was just beginning. I'm showing my age right. here, you know, and, and, and it was, net, it was, the intranet. It was intranet. It was Netscape. If you remember Netscape, was, right uh, back in the day. Yeah. And, and you, you and would you go listen to Napster. <laughs> I did listen to Napster and you go onto these, you know, you, porn was suddenly becoming so accessible and I'm a college student and everybody, yeah. you know, whatever I'm, a, you know, we're all doing the, you know, the porn thing and you become like addicted to it. And then I like get married. Right. And all of a sudden I realize, like, whoa, like I've got major issues that have to be dealt with. And I need someone to show me a way out of this mess that I'm in. I need someone who's not going to condemn me. Right. Because that, that, that's not going to help. I'm already, help. I'm already beating myself up yeah. here. Like I don't need more condemnation, but I do need someone who's going to show me a way forward. And thankfully I had a great mentor who has done that, continues to do that yeah. even to this day, you know, and, 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 and helping me refocus, rechannel my sexual energy towards my wife as God has designed it. Yeah. And, and, you know, we haven't even looked back and it's just really amazing to think about how God really develops all of that out. Now, I mean, again, life is life. I mean, it has a way of throwing you curves and all kinds of different things. My wife and I both have had health issues over the years where, you know, it's impacted our sexual life together. Mm -hmm. I mean, these things happen. They're real. Yeah. And guess what? You live very long. That's going to happen, you know? And so, so again, this whole idea, we have to, again, submit this to the way of Jesus and let him and trust him that I'm not missing out. Right. I'm not losing out. All right. What Jesus has designed for us and what Jesus has designed for me is so amazing and so good that anything else I could try to manufacture on my own just couldn't even begin to compare. And you know what? And I, I, bet, I bet you would agree with this. When, when I sit down and I talk to people who maybe are pursuing their own way, right? Multiple 
sexual partners or adultery, hookup culture. Yeah. Tinder, you name it, grinder, whatever it might be. Right. You know, when they're accessing those things and if I get them in a, in an honest moment and I say, so tell me how you really feel. They hate themselves. Most of the time they express some level of like, I don't want to be doing this. Right. What I'm really looking for is someone who will love me, mm-hmm. someone who will care for me, someone who will accept me, someone who will make me feel like I belong. Right. But again, I don't know what else to do. I don't know where else to go. Right. And I go, right. So let me tell you where else you can go. You know, you should be able to come to the church, find your fulfillment in Jesus. And as you do that, you never know. You might meet someone. God might bring someone into your life then who actually becomes that companion that you really desire. Right. That's your heart desire. You know, this stuff is so powerful, Robbie. I have had a couple of people tell me that they have lost their faith over it. Wow. That, that God did not provide them that husband or that wife, that they really, that this has been their deepest, most heartfelt prayer for years. And in their minds, God has never provided. So as a result, God doesn't exist. I mean, it's a powerful thing. It is. Yeah. So I was going to say to your point, mm-hmm. if it was the pinnacle of the human experience, then escorts would be the happiest people on the totally. planet. Totally. Right. Absolutely. Right. Like right. what you said, when you talk That's to people right. who are doing that, right. whether it's the high school football locker room or right. whatever, you need that moment of honesty. That's right. Because it's, it's a rare thing. Usually right. it's promoted as this, as this great thing. But no, I think you've said a lot of a lot of excellent things when it comes to thinking about this. And I, I go back to something C.S. Lewis said. He said, friendship starts when you're talking with a stranger mm-hmm. and you find that common ground and you say, oh, you too? I right. thought I was the only one. Right, yes. And yes. I think in in communities that are associated with um, sexual orientation or identity, that that's what people want. They right. want people to go, "Hey, welcome to the club." And if the church could stop being surprised or pretending to be yes. surprised when people come and they say, "Man, I struggle with this sexually." Yeah. The fear is that they're going to get a oh right. no. Right, right. Versus, "Oh yeah, me too." Yeah. And same with Bob over here. Yeah, right. Yeah, totally. Join right. the club. That's right. Hey, you yeah. know, yeah. I've been going with this and, and man, yeah. this guy's great and if people had that perception. Yeah. Of they would get a, oh, you too. I thought it was the only one (laughs) moment that there would be genuine community and the church would be the thing that people would run to rather than these communities oriented around a sexual expression. You know, it's interesting you say that. You know, we, um, years ago, and I'll kind of close with this, but years ago we were, as a denomination, our our church is part of a larger body called a denomination, basically a national body of churches that were all kind of committed to one another. And we were updating our theological position paper on sexuality, right? Orig- the original position paper written back in the 1980s was on homosexuality. Interesting, right? And this new one, we expanded the purview to write a theological position paper on human sexuality. Okay? And I was one of the co-authors, I yes. Say, I remember you writing. And um, one of the co-authors. I was the only one who wrote it, but I was one of the contributing authors. You That's say right. to people, I wrote the paper on I wrote the sexuality paper. as right. it relates I, no. to the church. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, but anyway, it, interestingly enough, when we went to, you know, it had to be voted on to get passed and all that kind of stuff. And the, and the position that we took is that we are all sexually broken, right? There's not one group of people more sexually broken than another. All of us, level playing field. Right. We've been there. Like you said, Amen. Bob, George. 
Tim, Sue, you know, Christine, doesn't matter, right? We're all sexually broken. We're all, all of our sexual desires are disoriented. They all need to be reoriented by Jesus himself. Like as we're, that, that was sort of the fundamental sort of approach of the paper. <laughs> as we're talking about this in small groups, you know, before it gets voted on and passed and stuff like that, different groups wanted to dialogue with us about it. I still remember we're in this one um, small group. And this lawyer who, kind of a, a more well-known lawyer in our denomination, big time kind of, you know, very high profile kind of guy and everything like that. He was so frustrated with the approach that we took. And, and finally, like, we, he kept pressing us and asking us the different questions, coming at it from different angles and stuff like that. And finally, in a moment of sort of exasper, exasperation, he, he like just sort of like yells out like, but I'm not sexually broken. Right. And you could almost hear like a pin drop in the room as everybody kind of looked at him. And, and the older pastor that was sort of leading our group that I, you know, I mean, I, I was about ready to jump out of my skin, of course, but the older pastor, thankfully, just very smoothly, very kindly, very gently, but very firmly was like, wow, brother, you're like the only one here who's not sexually right. broken. Like... Like, how is that even possible? That's why don't, amazing, why don't you teach us? You know? <laughs> and, and then, you know, you kind of see his like face. He wasn't shaming him, but it was kind of like just like, do you realize what you just said kind of yeah. deal? And then finally this guy like kind of backed off. was like, okay, you're right. You know, we, we are all, you know, disoriented by sin. Sin yeah. impacts us all on this level. And, you know, I, like I said, that the, the, the heartbeat behind that paper, the heartbeat behind this approach, of course, is just that we would all acknowledge there's this level of playing field before the cross. We all need the redemption of our bodies, and that includes the redemption of our sexual bodies. And, and that's what we're all really waiting for, and that's what Jesus, Jesus wants for us. You know, next time, Robbie, we'll talk about marriage. And, you know, there's a couple of ways to approach this topic of sexuality. You can talk about all of like the sort of this ethic of sexual restraint, right? Mm-hmm. Like you said, the sort of negative on some level, right? Like what right. we shouldn't do. Yeah. You shouldn't do this, 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 and this. But God doesn't just tell us when it comes to sexuality what we shouldn't do. He actually gives us a picture of what we should do. Right. So in ancient sort of Christian spirituality, this is the via negativa, like what you shouldn't do. And the via positiva, what you should do. Right. And so we'll dive into that next time as we talk about marriage, because that's really where God grounds this whole uh, conversation around sexuality and sexual expression, and it's really what he affirms. And uh, So we'll tackle that next time. Thanks, as always, to Jake, our guy behind the glass, making us sound so good. Please keep listening as we dive deeper into what it means to follow Jesus in the weeks ahead. We love your comments, as always, your reviews on whatever platform you choose to listen to the podcast. Subscribe to stay tuned, and make sure to share the podcast with your friends. Look forward to talking to you next time.